Chatters. I'm Nat. And I'm Kat, and welcome to the Crime Chats. I am your forensic femme fatale, and Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two girls who just can't be stopped. We can't. I dare you to stop us, okay? As we can't stop, won't stop. No, it won't stop. Like a crazy train, <laughs> right on the tracks. Though we haven't, we haven't on the crazy train. <laughs> <laughs> While we obsess about dark crimes, evil minds, <laughs> and occasionally the unknown, it has taken over our lives. And we love it. (laughs) Here's your disclaimer, Chatters. The following crime chat contains adult content and very violent and disturbing scenarios today. So your listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And before we get in today's crime chat, Kat, what have you done? I've just been traveling around the world, you know, doing a little work trip here and there. And do you know from before I was obsessed about Stranger Things, I was having a little bit of withdrawals. And over the last couple days after an episode, eight and nine mm-hmm. came out or chapter eight and nine came out of volume four however they're calling it <laughs> season four <laughs> i've been able to watch like bits and pieces in between like flights and like things here and there and i just finished it up this morning but i need to go back and watch it all the way through again because it, it it was kind of confusing and like just to get it and make sure that it's fresh yeah yeah no it's good it's definitely yeah. good so um I have been doing the same thing with Stranger Things and kind of binge watching it. And which leads me into my intro (laughs) before we get into your um, crime chat. Yes. I have uh, put together a little surprise for you, Kat. Oh, boy. Yeah. Or girl. (laughs) So it's time for Stranger Things Pop Quiz. Are you ready? Okay. (laughs) All right, let me uh, let me get my 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 mind right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Let me get get out from the upside down. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, this is gonna be good. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. That is the iconic Kate Bush singing. The song that, what was her, what was the character's name that loved her? Max. Max. Mm-hmm. Our beautiful Max. Yep. Okay, are you ready for some uh, Stranger Things pop quiz? I'm ready. Okay, let's do this. All right, Kat, welcome to the Stranger Things pop quiz and the world of being an addict. Because I've been an <laughs> addict for years now, so you have to say hello, my name is Kat. Hello, my name <laughs> is Kat and I'm a Stranger Things addict. There you go. There you go. So, Kat, number one, what is the iconic board game that Will, Mike, Dustin, and Lucas play? Oh, dun- uh, World of World of Warcraft. No, Dungeon- Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Ver- D&D. Uh, right. Yeah. Exactly. Now, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, I thought was an older board game, but that came out in 1974. For some reason, I thought it was, like, older than older that. Older than that. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you were right. It was the Wizards one that was before Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. All right. Very good. You got that one right. Okay, you ready? Now, we're going to get harder. It's going to get harder. <laughs> well, okay? I'm sure it will. I, you're getting back at me. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, so now... In season two okay. of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. what is the name of Dustin's Pollywag? Dart. What's the full name? No, well, not the Demogorgon. No, no, no. It's the Dogogorgon. No, what's Dart? What's his full name, though? What's Dart short for? Oh, I don't remember. I just remember Dart. That's all that matters. I'll give it to you, but it's D'Artagnan from The Three Musketeers. Oh. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, here's a hard one. But since you just binged Stranger Things within the last six months, I think you can answer this one. Uh, okay. What was the name of the restaurant that Eleven steals fries from in Chapter 1? Do you remember that scene? When she w- goes to that diner and that big guy with the beard was like, hey, kid, are you okay? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. When she first started coming out and she was hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't remember the name of the restaurant. Uh, Benny's Burgers. Oh, because it was Benny the Dog. Yeah, poor Benny. Yeah, that's right. Benny's Burgers. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh. You're doing good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, two right, one wrong. Okay. You didn't give me a false answer. You just didn't know it. So. I just didn't. Yeah, I just didn't remember. See, in my pop ki- quiz, I give you half a point. I give you <laughs> half a point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, next question. What method did Joyce utilize to communicate with Will in Stranger Things Season 1? Oh, the lights. Yeah. Yeah, Christmas lights. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a two-part to that answer. What's the other way she communicated with him? Well, uh, the alphabet? Yes, the Ouija board on the wall. Yeah, the... But the letters were lighting up for her to spell it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first scene was her climbing into the chimney or that little hole in the wall. She's holding the lights. Mm-hmm. She's like, talk to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the ball mm-hmm. of Christmas lights. Yep. That was a really good scene. Yeah. All right. Moving along. So what is Eleven's favorite food? I got waffles. Yes. I love those. So one of the things that I saw is a video. You know when she goes into the grocery store uh-huh. and she takes the Eggo waffles out of the freezer? Yeah. She was only supposed to take one or two. And so she actually improvised and was putting in as many boxes of waffles as she could carry. Uh, that's like us at the wine store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> print, print, tink, 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 tink. <laughs> um, okay, next. All right, got that right. Good. So next one is... What season did Hopper die? Well, I mean, he didn't. But that, that would have been um, at the mall, so that would have been season three. Very good. Very good. But yeah. trick question, you're right, because he didn't die. Ha-ha. Mm-hmm. So do I get a bonus for you that? Get, you get a point and a half. How about that? It goes ding, 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 making up for the one. <laughs> okay. Yay. And the last, the last question, which it kind of got right before, but... What is the name of the creature? Well, Demogorgon. Demogorgon. Yeah. Yes. So you got... And the Demo... They, well, and then that, and they have the Demodogs. The Demodogs. And then they've got the Demobats. Okay. Because you're giving me all this extra credit, all right? <laughs> you get a hundred on your quiz, girl. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, my God. My name is Kat, and I'm a stranger. Thing. Yes. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the fandom. Welcome to the insanity. Welcome. Oh, Yay! <laughs> Well, the story today is a little insane in itself. Are you ready to get into the crime chat? I am. I am. Are you sure about this? Yes. You've got to prepare yourself for all of this. Oh, boy. Okay. Have you ever heard of the Florida serial murderer called the Killer Cop? No, I have not. Or the Hangman? I have not. So right around your neck of the woods there is a man. Well, was a man. who used his authority as a sheriff's deputy to lure and gain the trust of his victims. As with many serial killers, there was a rough upbringing. That's what we've kind of talked mm. about where it kind of changed sometimes your theory. Sometimes, you know, there's the kind of the debate of you're born with it. Yeah. Or is it how, you, how you're raised? Maybe a combination of both. Mm. However, he hid behind the badge and a smile regardless of what you believe. If it was how the upbringing or... or you know, kind of born that way. Today's crime chat subject is suspected of killing up to 30 people. He claimed it himself, however, it was upwards of 80. Oh my. While he was incarcerated, he said it was upwards more as 80, maybe 110. Okay. With those, there was never enough evidence to support what he claimed. And we've talked about that a little bit too, like with some serial killers, how they have a tendency to embellish maybe. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right? So Pee Wee Gaskins, Ted Bundy did that too. Like, I, you'll never know who, how many I've actually murdered. Uh-huh. Now, he himself was murdered in prison, serving two life sentences. Does any of this sound familiar? Um, When you said he was a cop, mm-hmm. it does sound familiar. Okay. But I'm not, I don't know the deets, the deets. So. Well, we'll get into the deets. Okay. So Gerard John Schaefer Jr. was born in Nina, Wisconsin on March 26, 1946 to Doris Marie and Gerard John Schaefer Sr. John Schaefer. Uh, <laughs> claiming to have been a product of a shotgun winning and considering himself an illegitimate child, Schaefer would say he had a difficult upbringing. He was the oldest of three children. Gerard Sr., his dad, was a traveling salesman, so he was often like out of the home traveling doing his thing but Uh when he was home he was reportedly an abusive alcoholic and while he was out on the road he had his way with women basically feeding his satisfaction oh boy so because of this, Schaefer was a bit closer to his mother than, understandably, like his father. Uh-huh. Also, the father, Gerard Sr., openly favored his sister, the only girl, oh. and would often belittle and verbally abuse Schaefer. Schaefer would later say because his father actually favored his sister that he wanted to be a girl. Oh, yeah. okay. He also wanted to die because he felt like a disappointment to his family. And now around the age of 14, the family ended up settling in Fort Lauderdale, where Schaefer found interest in the outdoors. So fishing, hunting, guns, you know, kind of that Uh age boy type of activities. Yeah. And this would also be common in like father-son relationships, right? So the father would teach the son how to do such things. And while the father, Gerard Sr., did on occasion, he wasn't, again, always there. Schaefer also became a very excellent golfer, played football, and teachers called him a promising student. So, I mean, things don't sound, I mean, a rough upbringing, but doesn't necessarily Mm. mean things might go the way they're going to go. So, but it was around this age that Schaefer said he began to fantasize about sadomasochism and bondage. Later, he told one psychiatrist this is when he began to picture hurting other people, especially women, and he explained he would tie himself to a tree, get excited sexually, and do something to hurt himself because he felt like he shouldn't be having those feelings or emotions so he would try to hurt himself tying himself to a tree oh my god he said he would masturbate when he fantasized about hurting other people again so he started to hurt himself because he started wearing women's panties he started like with the fantasy of hurting women like i'm a man i shouldn't be a woman but i fantasize about hurting women so maybe that maybe that would help his him mentally i i don't know it was this is where things really kind of started to cause some serious red flags Mm mm-hmm some of the pain that he induced on himself was through autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah. Yeah, where someone restricts their oxygen blood flow in order to endure a more intense orgasm. I can tell you, like, it's unfortunate how many uh, crime scenes that I've been to where they have fallen victim to ending up killing themselves during an autoerotic asphyxiation type of thing where they're by themselves. Yeah. And whatever they tie around their neck to restrict the blood flow, just it doesn't break when yeah. it's supposed to, and they end up killing themselves. So accidental oh suicide aside yeah but eventually for Schaefer these thoughts would take over he started a bit more of voyeurism and was a peeping Tom one former classmate recalled she had to tuck her skirt under her legs because he would practically quote stand on his head to look up a girl's skirt end quote psychologist Dr. R.C. Eaton documented that Schaefer had quote numerous sexual hang-ups end quote from an early age and that's kind of that sounds like that other guy from Florida that we did, the Todd. That's what Todd oh, was yeah, doing. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The Amazon 
The killer. Amazon killer. Review killer, yeah. So Schaefer graduated high school in 1964, wherein three years later his parents ended up divorcing. Schaefer, however, went on to college, first at Broward Community College, and then upon completing his sophomore year, he received a scholarship for Florida Atlantic University. He wanted to be a teacher, so he was trying to go for a bachelor's in education. Uh-huh. He tried to also gain experience as a teacher's assistant and doing like internships. However, he would be dropped on two separate teaching student teaching programs because he was instilling his quote-unquote American values in the classroom such as love honesty purity unselfishness I mean that does doesn't sound terrible but you'll understand why here okay (laughs) the professor of his second internship the second student teacher program that let him go is Richard Goodhart and he said quote I told him when I left he'd better never let me hear of his trying to get a job with any authority over people or I'd do anything I could to prevent it end quote why would so he saw something in him that he really like imposed authority over that type of situation and think of Jim Jones like yeah you will do this or you're going to hell that's interesting that somebody um saw that in him like that like then and they said it wow that's yeah that's okay well it didn't work oh damn okay. <laughs> Schaefer did get married. In 1968, he married Martha Fogg, but it was very short-lived. Martha claimed extreme cruelty during their short two-year marriage based on his constant demands for sex. Knowing what we do now, I can imagine it was also probably quite violent Uh if he was having all of these fantasies about hurting women. After the divorce, he spent a summer abroad traveling through Europe and North Africa, which, I mean, I don't know. That must be nice. I'm just going to go you know, backpack through a couple of other countries. and What was he doing over there? Well. When they travel like that, it gets me nervous. Like, what, what was happening? Well, we'll kind of, I'll, I'll kind of talk about that a little bit towards okay. the end. Uh, when he returned to the U.S. with a mind, he had the mindset, I want to be a cop. I want to be a police officer. So in January of 1971, he met and married 19-year-old Teresa Dean while working as a security guard. Teresa willingly submitted to Schaefer's sexual demands, and they also enjoyed common activities such as fishing, and actually she remained married to him throughout this whole entirety thing and I'll talk about her a little bit in the end now in Broward County he was rejected after he failed the psychological test to become a cop however he was hired anyway at the Wilton Manors Police Department even though he failed a psychological for to apply for Broward County Sheriff's Office after receiving a commendation for a pretty large drug bust in 1972 he was fired a month later for what the police chief said was a lack of common sense and you'll see why too okay all right Two short months later, he was hired on at Martins County Sheriff's Department near Stewart, Florida. He forged a letter of recommendation from the Wilton Manors Police Department, which is where he got fired from. Less than a month on the job with the Martin County Sheriff's Department, he began to make his mark in the area. His actions and intentions would come to light. And we're going to talk about the victims here after a quick word from our sponsor. Today's segment has been sponsored by our friends at Fatal Beauty, LLC, a vegan, cruelty-free, eco-friendly, women-owned, and Indian-inspired beauty line. They are celebrating three years of being committed to quality and the only place that you need to look for great and affordable cosmetics and accessories to include eyeshadows, lips, lashes, brushes, you name it, and they have it. And they also want us to remind you that you are beautiful, unique, powerful, strong, radiant, and brilliant. Never forget that. You can shop at www.shopfatalbeauty.com using our code CRIMECHAT for 20% off your entire purchase. That's www.shopfatalbeauty.com to earn your discount today. 
Damn you, cat! What the <laughs> hell is wrong? This is the, you're getting back at me for that quiz, aren't you? <laughs> we had to take a little ad break, but uh-huh. where we left off is we talked about the killer cop Gerard Schaefer, how he had begun to make his mark in Florida, and as I mentioned before, we are going to now talk about his victims. On July 21st, 1972, less than a month after working for the Martin County Sheriff's Department near Stewart, Florida, Schaefer picked up two girls hitchhiking: 17-year-old Pamela Wells and. 18-year-old Nancy Trotter. Now, this was the 70s, right? It was seemingly somewhat safe to hitchhike, but we also know, like, as a society, this was the peak of the serial killer era. Yeah. Where hitchhikers were easy targets and would often fall victim. To lure them into his car, he told them that hitchhiking was illegal there and said that he would take them back to the halfway house where they were staying. He also offered to pick them up the following day to take them to the beach because that's where they said they wanted to go. Uh So he said, okay, well, I'll come and pick you up in the morning and I'll take you to the beach. He picked them up on July 22nd, 9.15 in the morning. He was wearing regular clothes and driving his personal vehicle and the girls kind of asked about it. They're like, why aren't you in your uniform? He's like, he said he convinced them that he sometimes drives his own vehicle and wears regular clothes while on duty which I mean it can happen Mm -hmm. right so on the way to the beach Schaefer deviated from the route to the beach and they kind of recognized it and he said oh it's okay I want to show you this old Spanish fort near Hutchinson Island on the way he began to lecture Pamela and Nancy about the dangers of random strangers and the potential of being a victim of human trafficking are you kidding me Oh my god. So where they ended up was in a swampy area. He parked, held the girls at gunpoint, and said he planned to sell them as, quote, white slaves, end quote. Mm. Basically sell them into prostitution. Uh He bound both Pamela and Nancy, secured them to tree roots, placed a noose around both of their necks, and basically they were suspended just enough to where their tiptoes were on top of the roots, so they had to hold themselves up or else the noose would suffocate them. He told the girls they were going to be raped and murdered as they were suspending by the tree. Uh, I can't even imagine the emotional torture that was happening. And physical torture at this point, really. So at this time, he got a call from the sheriff's department, but played it off to the girls that it was somebody he was actually selling them to. So he told Pamela and Nancy he had to go, but basically, I won't be far because I'm getting ready to go meet with the guy I'm selling you to, so you better not escape. When he returned, they were gone. Good, but I can't believe he left them hanging like that in the tree. Yeah. Yeah. So realizing what had happened when he got back, he had to call the sheriff. He's like, quote, I've done something foolish. You'll be mad at me, end quote. Now remember, earlier he got fired for having a lack of common sense, right? So Schaefer said, this is what he told the sheriff, Robert Crowdy. He said, he wanted to teach these girls a lesson on being responsible. Basically not hitchhiking. Mm -hmm not taking rides from strangers, not talking to strangers, so he was just trying to teach them a lesson. A team of deputies went back to the area where to look for Nancy and Pamela, seeing obviously that they were gone. Close to the highway, they found a partially gagged Nancy with her hands behind her back, swimming in a local river, like trying to escape in any way that she possibly could. One of the officers removed her gag. Nancy said also that she had a friend somewhere in the forest who also escaped, and they realized they had already found Pamela staggering through the woods 45 minutes before. These poor girls. Yeah, yeah. Once they found Nancy, they're like, once, and then they realize, oh, okay, your, your friend is Pamela. We already have Pamela. Oh, my God. We've got them both, right? So both Pamela and Nancy positively identified Schaefer as the perpetrator. Wow. He was fired. Oh, okay, of course. thank God. <laughs> he was arrested also for false imprisonment and assault and then was released on $15,000 bond. 
At his trial in November of 1972, Schaefer pled guilty to one assault charge and the other counts were dropped. Insisting he overreacted to the situation, he received one year in confinement in the county jail and three years probation. <laughs> he didn't actually start his sentence until January of 1973, so he had, like, this would have been November, so he had a couple months. They, they were probably like, go spend Christmas, you know, spend the holidays with your family and come back at the first of the year and we'll do your one-year sentence. That's cool. Crazy. His wife, Teresa, and his family supported his justification, being that he just overreacted trying to teach these girls a lesson. Okay, there's overreacting. That's <laughs> not it, okay? I, I overreact if I don't, like, you know, if they don't have Splenda for my coffee in the morning. But, like, yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? That's an overreact. Hanging somebody from a tree is not overreact. That, no. How can that happen? He was just trying to teach him a lesson. How can the courts make that mistake, though? Like, <laughs> well. Oh, God, okay. Unfortunately, this would not these late girls would not be his only victims in september of 1972 while schaefer was free on bond pending his trials right so he was arrested out on fifteen thousand dollars bond while he was on bond pending trial 17 year old susan place and 16 year old georgia jessup were missing from the area their parents stated they were last seen leaving susan's house and they left with a man named quote jerry shepherd on their way to a local beach they never came back they were going to go like play music on the beach like total 70s thing Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. hippie thing like play some music on the beach yeah. by a fire yeah that's what they were going to be doing mm-hmm. leading up to this day susan and georgia met this jerry shepherd guy at an adult education center mm-hmm. and they became acquainted he basically befriended them they were ended up exchanging letters and writing back and forth to each other for a few days with this so-called Jerry guy. One of the letters Jerry wrote to gain the trust of the girls, he said he wanted to venture off with them before returning back home to Colorado. If you haven't guessed it, Jerry Shepard was Gerald Schaefer. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Susan's mother met Schaefer when he came to pick up the girls, uh, but was really suspicious when they said that they were going to go to the beach and play the guitar and that kind of thing. Schaefer, however, did assure the mom that he was a noble man. He would bring the girls back. And as they left, however, Susan's mother actually had the forethought to write down the license plate and the description of the car. It was a 1969 blue-green Datsun. Wow. They don't make them anymore, right? No. <laughs> I had a Datsun. My brother had a Datsun. Did you? Yeah. When, when... I had, my first car was a Chevy Celebrity, one of those big box cars. I don't know what that looks like. You gotta, you gotta post See, a you picture. See, don't even remember. <laughs> 19, 1982 Chevy Celebrity. Ooh. It had an eight track in it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so after Susan and Georgia didn't come back, it was about four days later, Susan's mother contacted Georgia's mother, and Georgia's mother said that Georgia had just run away. So, I mean, it's possible that when Georgia ran away, she just went to Susan's house, and then they were going to yeah. do something. I don't know. However, they both had, since they both had not heard back, they decided to report it to police. They traced the tag, the license plate, back to a man from St. Petersburg by the name of Jerry Shepard. However, his car was stolen. So he used the name, like, similar enough to his name and stole a car and then drove it from St. Petersburg which is on the west coast right and they drove it back to the east coast to Stewart area the man who actually went by Jerry Shepherd was actually eliminated as a suspect so I mean he could have reported his car missing and could have committed the crime right they cleared him of this being a suspect. Wow. So as the investigation went on, it led police to Schaefer. In March of 1973, he was already serving his sentence for the assault of Hamlet and Nancy. When questioned, he denied it, of course. Uh-huh. He denied any knowledge of Georgia or Susan, but the truth would soon come out. In April of 1973, skeletal remains were discovered in, guess where? Hutchinson Island, yes. which is the same place where Nancy and Pamela were held. Four days later, the remains were identified by dental records as that of Susan and Georgia. Oh. 
Evidence suggests the two girls were tied to a tree and butchered. Their bodies were found to have been severed at the lumbar and cervical sections, so at the low back and at the neck, of their spine with either a knife or a machete of some sort. They were decapitated post-mortem, and their jaws had numerous fractures. Sections of the tree where they were bound indicated that they were suspended long enough that the rope left impressions on the actual tree itself. Mm-hmm. The initials GJ for Georgia Jessup were also found carved into the trunk of the tree. One victim wore blue jeans with a roadrunner kind of like, you remember how they used to put all the patches and stuff on jeans? Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a like a it was a roadrunner patch. Like at the iron-ons, like those kinda, yeah, okay. yeah. I've got a, a picture of this specifically that I'll put on Patreon. Other than this pair of blue jeans, they were completely naked. And of course, there was only skeletal remains at the time, but you could tell obviously if somebody was still wearing clothing. The location was only six miles away from where Pamela and Nancy were. Now Susan's mother positively identified Schaefer as the man also who was last seen with Susan and Georgia leaving that day to go to the beach. So it was in April of nineteen seventy-three, led to a search of Schaefer's mother's home uh, followed by a search for, of his home because they have enough probable cause to then go in and do a search of the, the residence. A search of Schaefer's mother's home indicated an overwhelming amount of evidence to me personally, but you'll see why it doesn't quite line up, but I think it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. They seized uh, several forms of identification, of course not belonging to him. Personal items belonging to young women who had disappeared were also found. Sections of rope and a gigantuan amount of porn magazines were found. Mm. In the porn magazines, he drew over some of the pictures that would depict them being naked, urinating, hanging from trees, and other types of modifications to the images that were in the magazine. Uh-huh. Other items included jewelry, a 300-page journal and sketchbook where he was drawing some of the same type of pictures of women hanging from trees, urinating, defecating, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. He also referred to these women in his journal as sluts, whores, and harlots. Police found 37 black and white Polaroid photographs of women either hung and or mutilated. Oh my god. The pictures, unfortunately, reportedly were too blurry to positively identify who they were. I mean, I could see that in the 70s of Polaroid pictures. They weren't always clear, right? Other pictures they found were of himself, dressed in female garments, hanging himself from a tree, although he didn't kill himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but one image specifically had fecal matter, like, all over his butt. I, I'm just, like, dumbfounded right now with this, and yeah. he's, all this stuff is in his home. All of this is in his mother's home. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and his mom's home. There were also discovered newspaper articles of two missing 19-year-old women, Colette Goodenough and Barbara Wilcox. These women were last seen alive one week, one freaking week, before Schaefer started his sentence in January of 1973. They were known to have been hitchhiking from Iowa to Florida, and the remains were later found January 1977, so four years later. They were bound together and suspected to have been suspended from a tree, as they appeared to be, like, standing on, you know, kind of one of those crates, like a wooden Uh crate. However, no definite cause of death could be determined so although while Schaefer was suspected they never charged him with those murders because there is no definitive cause of death which I mean they obviously were murdered because they were freaking bound together to a tree yeah and it could have been prevented if if they didn't let him go Mm -hmm. and uh, okay so he's using his mother's house as his little like uh, trophy room yes basically yes in addition so even though they couldn't charge him they found Barbara's driver's license and Colette's passport in his mother's home as well Mm. with the newspaper articles Another newspaper article found in the search of Schaefer's mother's home included a 1969 disappearance of Harmon Halleck, who police felt that she was abducted from her home. And I can only assume that maybe if this was linked to Schaefer, like, 
maybe he started with abductions and felt it was too risky and then so he just started picking up hitchhikers but mm-hmm. i don't know we'll see so some of the jewelry of was found was at to belong to carmen and to include a gold tooth that her dentist positively identified. However, again, charges were not filed because there was no, you know, direct link. Hmm. One of Schaefer's neighbors was Leah Bonadis, who went missing in September of 1969. He claimed that she was quote-unquote taunting him because she would undress with her curtains open. I don't mean to laugh because that's not funny, but, I mean, really? Yeah, he's a sick bastard. Again, in the search at his mom's home, a piece of her jewelry was found. Her remains were not discovered until 1978, and again, no charges were filed, even though there was a gold locket inscribed with the name Leah that was found in his mom's home. How is that even possible? Isn't that evidence? Like, how? I would think it's evidence. Yeah. But, I mean, her remains weren't found for, what, nine years? And I think this was also the time, too, where basically they can't do anything unless they have a body. Ah, got it. And some of the bodies were just skeletal remains and, you know, undetermined time of death and even cause of death, I guess, at this time because of the deterioration. Yeah. In his mom's home, more jewelry was found, one to belonging to 14-year-old Mary Briscudlina. She went missing in October of 1972 while Schaefer was out on bond. Mm-hmm. She went missing with 13-year-old Elsie Farmer. Skeletal remains were found in early 1973, but once again, no definite cause of death and no charges were filed. Now, at his mom's home, there were teeth and bone fragments that were found on the property and were identified belonged to at least eight different girls. Is that evidence? Is that enough? Yeah, but they can't, they don't know who to tie it to because DNA at uh, the time wasn't like it is now. Got it. So they couldn't do like direct links, but they could tell enough that it was eight different girls. Wow. Now, the search on Schaefer's home in Martin County, his actual home, was not as successful. Like, all the evidence was held at Mama's, right? Mm -hmm. However, they did find two human teeth, knives, firearms, as well as a washed bloody pillowcase. They found Susan's purse in the possession of Teresa Schaefer, of the wife. And Teresa said he gave it to her as a gift and then told her to discard of all of the items within the purse. Hi, honey. Hi, honey. Here's a purse. He get rid of everything inside. I was going to say, he didn't even clean out the purse. Like, uh-uh. the <laughs> So as you can see, Schaefer's, uh, we'll say, suspected list of victims mm-hmm. continued to grow. And it would later come out that Schaefer forced his victims to consume alcohol, mostly beer and wine, while they were suspended from the trees with nooses around their necks. He also took pleasure in observing them urinate and defecate on themselves as they were suspended. Schaefer was known to return to the crime scenes as well to have sex with their bodies, necrophilia, and then bury some of the dismembered parts to include, and then like extract some of the teeth like from the head because a couple of the girls were also decapitated. So he would take some of the teeth out, this is, keep them. This is gruesome. This is just really dark shit. And you thought like BTK was bad. Holy you thought Ted Bundy sh- was bad. This is bad wow and, and what you know and as i i found this in my one of my true crime books and i was like why don't i why don't we know more about this guy mm. like why is he n- not up at that level you think because the law enforcement at the time maybe screwed up a little bit without connecting the links well i mean ted bundy isn't easy to, I, although ted bundy is tar- terrible he also had a lot of charisma like al Cap- uh, capone yeah. where yeah, people yeah, yeah. loved him they fell in love with him because of 
Yeah. Well, and all in all, there was enough physical and circumstantial evidence to link Schaefer to nine murders and disappearances from 1969 to 1973. So first, while he's incarcerated, right? So first was the murder of Susan in Georgia. Already in jail, he was held without bond, of course, and ordered to 30 days of psychiatric evaluation in the Florida State Hospital. He was diagnosed with paranoia, psychosis, acute sexual deviation, but still found competent to stand trial. Hell yeah, that's a win, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> he did stick to his claim of innocence and said the accusations were just a mistake. He told one reporter he was confident that he would be exonerated from this, like as he went to trial for it. Schaefer pled not guilty in his trial of September of 1973, like one year after, pretty much almost, not, well, just less than a year after his previous trial. The evidence brought forth included a tree limb, which suspended his victims, tree roots, where Susan and Georgia had been forced to balance themselves so they wouldn't be hung. Witnesses included Pamela and Nancy. They actually testified at the trial being victims of his previously. Wow. Yeah. And they demonstrated how Schaefer bound and hung them. And a medical examiner who also illustrated that how the injuries were inflicted upon Susan in Georgia like by the noose and how that essentially would match with the markings that were left on the tree. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that like bringing uh, uh, exhibit A tree trunk? Yeah. That's I mean, it's, crazy. it's good, right? So after closing arguments, the jury deliberated for about five hours and returned with a guilty verdict. On October 4th, Schaefer was sentenced to two life sentences, served at the same time, so concurrently, with the possibility for parole after 45 years. When Schaefer made a statement about his conviction and sentence, he said, quote, that's the roll of the dice. I had a good defense, but I'm innocent, end quote. Mm. Schaefer, of course, appealed, but it was denied. Author Patrick Kendrick wrote a book about Schaefer called, quote, The American Ripper, The Enigma of America's Serial Killer Cop, end quote. And I read some snippets of this. It's super interesting and very detailed. I used a lot of um, his references for the story. Mm. But it's, there's so much, like we could, so much more. <laughs> he revealed in his nearly 500 page book how Schaefer metamorphed into something beyond human and described Schaefer as, quote, worse than Ted Bundy, end quote. With the balance of a weakened law enforcement at the time, mm. it led to an ideal place and time for Schaefer to commit these atrocious acts. Schaefer ended up suing Kendrick after he wrote the book in 1993, essentially for libel, basically saying, I'm not a serial killer. You can't talk about me this way. Mm. It was settled out of court when Kendrick provided a copy of the revised list of potential victims back to Schaefer. Wow. And you know what? He coined it with a weakened law enforcement. I think that's what was going on. And I think that judge made a boo-boo and nothing could be connected or admitted. Should have never been on out at home. Like he should have never been out. Well, in a twist of this story, Mm. Schaefer's defense attorney, Elton Schwartz, ended up marrying Teresa. Oh my God. God. <laughs> Schaefer's second wife. Talk about drama. Oh my lord. Okay. Right? While he was incarcerated, Schaefer came in contact with a former girlfriend from high school, Sandra London. They corresponded on numerous occasions and she ended up writing a book called Killer Fiction, followed by a second book called Beyond Killer Fiction. Basically, these were based on the writings of Schaefer himself. While claiming his writings were absolutely fictional and made up, several investigators believed they were inclusive of his own murders mm. and assaults wherein Schaefer described murder and necrophilia on numerous occasions. Schaefer later wrote to his attorneys saying one story specifically called Murder Demons describes Elsie, who was 13, and Mary, who was 14, their murders. One other correspondence regarding his victim count said, but I'm going to quote it. As you know, I've always harped on District Attorney Robert Stone's list of 34. In 1973, I sat down and drew up a list of my own. As I recall, my list was just over 80, end quote. (laughs) So the next day, given more time to reflect, Schaefer went back and said, quote, 
I'm not claiming a huge number. I would say it runs between 80 and 110, but over eight years and three continents, one whore drowned in her own vomit while watching me dismember her girlfriend. I'm not sure that this counts as a valid kill. Did the pregnant ones count as two kills? It gets confusing, end quote. Oh my God. Oh. He, he wrote that. <laughs> yeah, and, and he just included his travel. So yeah. I'm thinking... So while he was in North Africa, he met up with another guy who was from Australia. And this is where he started really committing, like, his murders. And they, there was some evidence that was found at his house of pictures while he was over there of basically torturing, dismembering bodies. So the count over there is... I, I wasn't able to really find a definitive count while he was in Europe and North Africa. But he met up with somebody, I think it was from Australia, and the two of them... Them just decide let's go kill people what a sick sick yeah. son of a bitch so okay. additionally stories of london's books the killer fiction and beyond killer fiction included a rogue police officer murdering women <gasps> detailing the murders of nancy in georgia also so schaefer provided london with the following uh-huh. information and this was written in another correspondence quote when i nabbed up jessup in place which was georgia and susan i had been in the ghoul game for almost Mm -hmm. 10 years so i knew what to expect from these juicy young creatures at the end doing doubles is far more difficult than doing singles but on the other hand it also puts one in a position to have twice as much fun there can be some lively discussions about which of these victims will get killed first once you have a pair of lively teenage bimbolinas bound hand and foot and ready for a session with a skinning knife neither one of these little devils wants to be the one to go first and they don't mind telling you quickly why their best friend should be the one to die end quote oh my god what a fast he's evil so london ended her collaboration with schaefer in 1991 after she publicly claimed schaefer was every bit of the killer cop that he was accused of being even though he demanded he was a framed ex-cop schaefer allegedly threatened london and also filed a lawsuit against her but it was dismissed when london provided an exhibit like in in the courts which detailed schaefer's own handwriting depicting these stories so it kind of went against him she didn't make it up she was just publishing what he provided her right schaefer continued to threaten london up until his death so here's one for the win Schaefer was killed in prison by another inmate December 5th, 1995. He was stabbed numerous times to include both of his eyes and his throat had been cut. He also had several fractured ribs. Karma? Yes. He was killed by 32-year-old Vincent Faustino Rivera after the two had an argument over who received the last cup of hot water. Rivera was sentenced to 53 years and 10 months for Schaefer's murder on top of his already 20 years he was serving for a double homicide from Tampa in 1990. So this guy was a bad dude too, but Schaefer got his in the end. At the time of his death, more murder charges were actually in the process of being brought forth against Schaefer. This story, I mean, just last month in June of 2022, 15-year-old Susan Gale Poole was officially identified through forensic genealogy and Uh is suspected to have been a victim of Schaefer. Yeah, they're still still searching. She went missing around Christmas of 1972, so we're talking about 50 years. Wow. And her remains were not discovered until 1974, so she her remains were discovered, but then for 48 years, her remains were not identified at all. She also was tied to a tree and bound, and it was nothing short of skeletal remains at this point, right? So the DNA collected from Poole's now 90-something-year-old mother confirmed that the remains were that of her daughter. Oh, that breaks my heart. Yeah, but they were able to positively identify it. They absolutely believe Schaefer was the suspect, right? And if Clayford actually claimed to have killed more than 80 women, I bet we're going to discover 
and positively identify more down the road with yeah. the DNA Doe project and other things like that that are going to be linked to Schaefer, I guarantee it. So uh, that's my killer cop crime chat. What the fuck, cat? You <laughs> just not a pr- you, It's not a pretty one. You just loaded me up with my nightmares for the next month. Don't hitchhike. God, don't hitchhike. <laughs> somebody might don't teach hit- you a lesson. Yeah, so what do you think? Do you think it's 80 or 110? I think it's quite possible. I mean, if, and he was known to travel, he did travel to Iowa. Hmm. I think he probably did travel to Colorado. And we don't know it when he was in Europe and Africa. I mean, if that was really the start of it, like there's n- no known like number of victims. They only have pictures of what to go yeah. by. So they suspect about 30. He claims over 80. I mean, it's quite possible. Now, in mom's home, how did mom, like, mom, what the hell? Like, she, she was living in this home with all this stuff? Yeah. She, she Apparently, she, I, I don't know. I never saw anything about her statements or what she said other than from his initial arrest from uh, Pamela and Nancy, the ones that mm-hmm. escaped, that his family stood by his side saying it was just a mistake. He overreacted. He shouldn't have done. That was, you know, too much. Got it. Other yeah. than that, there's oh no other God. statements from his family that I was able to find. And that's fucking freaky. And that's Florida. <laughs> the Florida man has struck again. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So, yeah. So, that I mean, and like I said, when I was reading this story in my, like, true crime, one of my true crime books, I was like, why do we not know more about this guy? This guy is atrocious. I mean, just, yeah. he's, he's the devil. He's so violent. He's very violent. He's so violent. At what you're, I mean, he's just so hateful toward women uh-huh. and so violent. I'm sure there are, there are a lot, we all know that there are a lot more men that have this kind of psychosis mm-hmm. against women, but to hear it this detailed yeah it gives me chills as a woman yeah like and there's so much more i mean but it was it was enough you know grotesqueness to give you a good depiction of how violent and fucked up he was that we i didn't want to do anymore (laughs) yeah it's this is good (laughs) yeah i oh my god rest in peace all those angels victims yeah all those victims and they're so young i think one of the oldest known victims is like 21 my god yeah very young not even not even close to living their life yet right yeah so i mean and we don't know much about the victims in europe and north africa but i think morocco was one of the places that he ended up committing a lot of the murders there's much more Mm -hmm. in that you know and and what i did read from the american ripper book from patrick kendrick the that book from what i did read about it it was quite interesting and and he had a lot of details too so i mean obviously if schaefer was going to collaborate with kendrick on some of the information and then with his ex-girlfriend sandra london like Uh obviously he wanted part of his story to be told but then also that's the arrogance and narcissism isn't it that's coming out yeah yeah i'm glad he got his in jail yes i'm glad both of his eyes got stabbed yeah that's... He had um he I don't I thought I want to say it was like twenty or thirty different stab wounds to like his his head and chest. I'm gonna say this and I have the biggest grin on my face. I'm so sorry that he's dead. And now, he's got... <laughs> the big <This> smile. <laughs> rotten hell, rotten hell, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Yes. Oh my god. All right. Well, because we don't want to leave you hanging, chatters. Yes. More of this is going to be on the after that crime chat. Yeah. So in some of the things, I'll have some of the resources that I'll use. I have the link to the books that I referenced, as well as there was a picture. So I want to say was it Nancy that went back and did a re reenactment of the crime scene, and she went back there to let police basically show police what Schaefer had done to her. And there's a picture of her like still tied up and all that kind of thing. Can you imagine having to? That's a brave, brave girl. Yes, we have. No, I mean today we have laws that prevent 
a lot of that from happening where victims yeah. need to do that. But yeah. back then, they the courts didn't think anything about bringing a traumatized victim to sit her right smack in front of her victimizer yeah. and, and go through it again. And that's yeah. terrible. But I commend their bravery. And yeah. Absolutely. So I'll have some pictures and his little freaking smirk that he puts on in some of his pictures. This guy, I don't know. But check out After That Crime Chat. I'll have all that stuff on there. And don't forget to follow us, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, to see what's coming up next. Yes, and remember, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat, And subscribe to our Patreon for yeah. bonus episodes, behind the scenes, bloopers. Yes, be sure to check out our next episode mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about it or give us any clues? It's going to be sinfully, sweetfully horrific. It's, <laughs> there's a bunch of different things, but it's, it's a culmination. It's, you know what? It's what's in my brain right now. It's you'll be, just going to come all you'll out. You'll be buzzing. You'll be, but yeah. But you know what? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be dark, but it's going to be a sinful spirit. Yay! So I say for the next episode, chatters, please pick your poison because we are going to have a sinful spirits and i already got mine ready chilling in the fridge all right you don't want to miss it chatters no we'll see you on the next crime chat bye